0: Many of you know God Only Knows is a song from the Beach Boys' 1966 game-changing album Pet Sounds, but God Only Knows is also the name of a book, one written by the dynamic David Leaf, originally in 1978, updated in 1985, and again in 2022. It just came out in September. Even a passing fan of the Beach Boys or Brian Wilson needs to add this book to their library immediately. I tell David in our conversation that if I ever have a biographer, which I likely won't, but if I ever do, I hope mine respects me and values me as much as David respects Brian Wilson. This book sets itself apart on multiple fronts. It was both the first full-length book on the Beach Boys when it was first published over 40 years ago and the first to recognize Brian Wilson as one of the most significant and influential artists of the 20th century. It is written by renowned Brian Wilson expert David Leaf, who is an award-winning writer, director, and producer. His feature credits include the Venice Film Festival favorite The U.S. vs. John Lennon, the Grammy-nominated Beautiful Dreamer, Brian Wilson in the story of Smile, The Night James Brown Saved Boston, and who is Harry Nielsen and why is everybody talking about him? In addition to writing about the Beach Boys, David wrote the Bee Gees' authorized autobiography, and he's also a professor at the UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music in Los Angeles. Simply put, Ryan Wilson is a musical genius, but as with any human being's story, it is so much more multi-layered and complex than that. This is the single longest episode of I'd Rather Be Reading we've ever had, so I'm going to let David do the talking about the Beach Boys, Brian Wilson, the California Sound, Paul McCartney, and so much in between. Take a listen. David, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to chat with you. It's an honor to have you here today. Thank you
1: Thank you, Rachel. It's great to be with someone who who loves reading as much as I do. I was a voracious reader as a kid, uh-huh. and that has extended throughout my entire life.
0: There's nothing I really enjoy more than than reading. I don't think i I could read all day every day and be okay with that
1: uh, I, me too the the thing the only thing that's changed is I used to be able to read with music playing
0: oh and I can't I never, do that. I've never been able to do that
1: right, now it's. It's just pure focus on on whatever it is I'm reading, an article, a blog, a post, a a book.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm the same. I'm dialed in all the way, but I loved this book and it's my first time, even though it's been in print since 1978, but this is my maiden voyage on the book. And I'm going to come out with a heavy hitter. This is just such a large question that I, I don't even know. We could probably spend the entire interview talking about just this question, but what is Brian Wilson's impact on music in the 20th century? The book, the book does a great job of outlining that, but I want my listeners to hear you say this so that they can be inspired to go grab the book. So what is Brian Wilson's impact on music in the 20th century? Can you even pinpoint that?
1: I, I'll take a shot at it. Go uh, for I, I think that what he did that has earned him the respect, admiration and awe of a long list of legends, starting with Sir Paul McCartney and Bob Dylan and and Pete Townsend and, and dozens and dozens of others. John Lennon was a big fan. Uh, Questlove is a big fan. Yeah. What is well, it? What is it about his music that changed the shape of popular music? Is in in my opinion, what Brian did was he put his feeling into the music the depth of his feeling mm. and in a sense in a sense he had had such a painful childhood that it was as if he was making music to soothe and heal that pain yeah
0: you know, we, as,
1: we as listeners didn't know that but because of that because the music is so melodic it is so is filled with such beautiful harmony you don't even have to know what the lyrics are saying in a lot of the songs what matters is the feeling. So, as Bob Dylan brought an uh, an intellectual side to popular music in the '60s, Brian brought an emotional side through his his composition, arrangement, and production, mm-hmm. and his and his singing that that just has has never been uh, equaled.
0: No, I agree. And I, we'll talk about Pet Sounds in a little bit, but I, last night in preparation for our chat today, I, I've listened to Pet Sounds many times over the years, but I listened to it again for the first time in a while. And, you know, I think it, in so many records, you just, you can listen to the singles and they're great, but listening to the whole composition, right? The whole, the whole work. And he's just, I was telling someone this morning, obviously in preparation for our chat today, Brian Wilson is a genius he is he is a genius that is unmatched and unparalleled and you're right so many geniuses take their pain from whatever source the pain comes from in his case we'll talk about this in a moment too a difficult childhood and channels that pain into purpose through his music and the Beach Boys and Brian Wilson's work, some, some of it is a bit melancholy, but most of it is so positive that you might not ever know that. But this, that's why, listeners, you need to, even if, again, if you have a passing interest in the Beach Boys or in Brian Wilson or just in music, read this book because the layers of this man are so complex and it makes me love the music more. I read listening to pet sounds after reading your book was a completely different experience for me, even though I've heard it many times because now I know more. And so well done you, because it's just so, so much depth to this person. Every person has depth, but Brian in particular is just so multi-layered and I have to ask you, so, I mean, obviously, one of the Beach Boys biggest hits is God Only Knows, but why call the book God Only Knows? You could, have, you could have called it many different song titles or many different titles. Why call, why call it God Only Knows?
1: Well, there was a, there's a couple of reasons. One, God Only Knows, the song is maybe his most beloved song of, uh-huh. of all time. It's obviously a beautiful song. Yeah. Um. This, the second, the second thing that came to me as, as I was writing this this massive update to the to the 1978 book was was that as many as many hours as i've spent with brian wilson as many hours i've spent talking to him talking to his friends talking to his musical colleagues talking to my friends about brian wilson um there is an inexplicable quality to the story um so it's kind of like when you say, why did this happen? Well, you just kind of shrug your shoulders and say, God only knows. Be- yeah. Because because there are certain things that, as, as much as I try to explain, they're, they're, they, they don't necessarily make sense in a reasonable point of view. So so it has to be some sort of, and that goes to the third reason to use the title, is Brian is extremely spiritual. He, he wasn't a, a, an active participant in his church growing up. Uh, other than to sing in the in the choir and and to, to go Christmas caroling, but he believes that music is the voice of God, mm. and so if Brian believes that, I have to believe it too, uh, if I'm if I'm going to be in touch with anything meaningful about him, and and so God only knows works on 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 those three 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 levels, mm-hmm. and 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 so I mean when he was working on the follow up to pet sounds uh, pet sounds uh, I, i've referred to it as his emotional autobiography
0: yeah and,
1: and i think the reason it appeals to generation after generation is at some point in time we're all 16 years old and trying to figure out who we are and what we are and mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it and it touches us you know i just wasn't made for these times and and the and the songs about relationships you still believe in me and all these, you know, deep tracks that don't necessarily, you know, they're not in heavy rotation on, on any anybody's playlist other than, you know, this kind of hardcore Brian East mm-hmm. But with the, the follow-up to pet sounds, which blew, blew people's minds in 66. Uh, it's, it's amazing what happened. And that's when they first went, when he started being called a genius for the first time, ironically, when Brian is asked if he thinks he's a genius, he'll say, I think I'm ingenious, <laughs> which, which is an interesting parsing of words. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but his follow-up to, to Pet Sounds was an album called Smile.
0: Which you talk about so much in the book, so much in the book.
1: Well, it was, it was essential to my journey. When I was 19 years old, I wanted to hear Smile, mm-hmm. desperately wanted to hear Smile. And I said to my roommate in college, I'm going to move to California and write a book about Brian Wilson, become his friend, and help him finish Smile. Which you know, it's like saying I'm going to be president of the United States. It sounds absurd.
0: But you did it. Uh, I did.
1: I did. So it you was. You did it. it. It's pretty. It's pretty miraculous in in many many ways. When when he started working on it, his brother Dennis Wilson was asked in an interview in, in late 1966, "What's Brian working on?" And he said he's working on an album called Smile, that is so good it makes pet sounds stink. Yeah,
0: that's how.
1: That's what a big step forward this was musically. When Brian was asked what he was doing, he wrote in, in an interview. He said, "I'm a, I'm pausing so you can edit out the uh, the, the sirens, perhaps." Oh, we're
0: not going to edit out the sirens. It's a part okay. of life. we roll roll with dogs barking sirens in the background it's life
1: okay so so brian was asked about about this smile record and he said it's a teenage symphony to god yes So, so so that era pet sounds into good vibrations into smile is the most legendary era of brian's work it's the it's the era that fascinated me the most and it, it just it, it just inspired me to want to wanna somehow kind of grab the world by the collar when I wrote this book and say, don't you understand this Brian Wilson guy is really important. We need to pay attention to him and make sure he's being taken care of so he can give us more of this this music.
0: Right. Well, this, the book, God Only Knows, originally came out in 1978, which was over 40 years ago. And it's been updated a couple of times since then. But why update it again in 2022? Why give it the new coat of paint this year?
1: Well, it's, it's uh, more than a new coat of paint for sure. The, mm-hmm. the last time it came out and was available was 1985. Right. Um, and that was in the 1980s is when I became a good friend of Brian's. And so the original book, I was a journalist writing uh, uh, on a mission to tell a story. Now, here we are 45 years later, I'm I'm the elder statesman, if you will. So the original book was written from the outside looking in. This new update is written from the inside. So I'm able to tell stories about what happened um, that no one else can tell. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 able to to give insight into key moments in Brian's life and career as he's gone through this renaissance and personal redemption. The original book and the 1985 update, neither one of those had a happy ending. This mm-hmm. book has as much of a happy ending as as one can have given the life that Brian has has led.
0: Yeah, I I wasn't planning on asking this, but I just want to know, you know, how is Brian doing today? It's 2022. And, um, you know, I, I've, I'm so deeply invested emotionally in his story now after reading the book, how is he today?
1: He's okay. You know, he's 80 years old. Mm -hmm. So, so when you ask why, why write the book now? um, I was talking to his, his wife, Melinda last year, and I said, he's going to be 80 next year. What, what can I do? And we talked about it, I said, maybe a new edition of this book would be a great 80th birthday gift. Yeah. And coincidentally, um, I turned 70 this year, and it's also the 60th anniversary of the Beach Boys signing with Capitol Records. So it seemed the, the, the planets seemed to be aligned to, mm-hmm. to, to do this now and um, you know to tell his story and, and bring it up to date. So you know he just he just was on a tour this, this past summer with the, the group Chicago. Mm-hmm. and and he had a great album last year called At My Piano and there was an American Masters on him this year called Long Promised Road so there's this there's always an a critical mass around Brian kind of rooting him on but this this year just seemed like the right moment to to tell the story uh, while I could still remember it.
0: Sure sure you write in the book about the California myth I want you, if you can, to explain to us what that is. Well,
1: the, the California myth, as it, as it applies to, to Brian and the Beach Boys, is, is kind of a teenage thing that I first hooked into when I was 11. Brian, Brian co-wrote this song called Surf City, mm-hmm. and the, origi- the first lyric is, two girls for every boy. And then he followed that up with Surf in USA. And those were both big hits in 1963 that I heard on the radio. Mm-hmm. And it's like, where is this music coming from? And then there was California Girls, and there were all these kind of beach movies. They're very silly movies, but it sure looked like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And so, and so the California myth to me at that point was there's this very melancholy music that Brian Wilson is making in my room, the warmth of the sun, don't worry baby, God only knows, in direct contrast with what we're seeing on the silver screen. So, so from a writer's point of view, there's nothing better than, well, wait a second, what's the reality here? So that's why I called it the California myth because there indeed are an awful lot of people who are living out that dream. They live in beach communities, they go surfing, they hang out at, at the beach. And then there's a whole world of people in in fact the further you get away from california the bit more popular the beach boys are if you if you grew up in california the beach boys well that's just you know they're writing about where i live if you're in london where it's raining most of the time Mm -hmm. wow this in kansas
0: like i was listening to this music now i was not around in the early 1960s. Um, as you said, the last update was in 1985. I was actually born in 1986. So um, Perfect. But, but but I um I grew up listening to the Beach Boys. My mom has great taste in music and introduced me to so many of the greats very early on. And I mean, I felt that same way growing up in Kansas. You know, you you are enchanted by this promise of California and surfing and which obviously we do not have in Kansas so I completely understand that.
1: So that was the California myth in the 1978 edition Mm -hmm. as I say it was it was kind of juvenile in this edition I go into it a little more deeply because once I moved here and discovered the reality of California there's just a long history of you know from what happened to the Native Americans to the migrant farm workers to the the Chinese Exclusion Acts, to the internment of the Japanese-American yeah. citizen. so so there's there's a real dark side to to the sunny California myth that I didn't really you know, I, I, I wasn't educated before I got here. So right. So I've learned a lot about that. But you know, at the same time, I'm a professor at UCLA, which is one of the most glamorous campuses in in the country. Mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's the, the myth is real. Uh, but there's also there's also a truth about California. You know, we're the biggest state in the country. Our population is larger, I think, than 20 other states combined. Uh, so we have everything that I think our economy is the fifth biggest in the world. So California is like a giant country as part of the United States. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really a, 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 it's, it's it's really about six states in one. So mm-hmm. it's 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 a lot to 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 get your arms around. but it's it's a remarkable place.
0: Well, I've been to California. How many times have I been to California twice? And I still have so much left to explore. I've been to Los Angeles, I've been to San Diego. I've never been to Northern California. I've never been to San Francisco. So I still have a lot more to explore. Um, and I'll get there. But I want to explore Brian's childhood for a moment. So you briefly touched on this a minute ago you write in the book that there was always music in the home that he shared with brothers Dennis and Carl, of course, also members of the Beach Boys, but there was also often conflict, and you alluded to that a moment ago. So how did his childhood, how did Brian's childhood shape the musical genius he would become?
1: I I think it shaped it enormously, because because when you're a child and your father is Special, you know, as abusive as Brian's father was, how do you how do you reconcile? Um, you know, it, it does it doesn't make any sense. And in particular, I was told by people who were around then that sometimes the same action could result in praise or punishment. Mm-hmm. So there was a, there was an irrational quality to the abuse. Um, but Brian Brian's always been extraordinarily strong. Uh, as, as he has said, you know, my last name is Wilson, so I guess I have a lot of willpower mm. it's It's miraculous that he's still alive, let alone the musical uh, career he's had in in the last uh, forty years since since the book was written the, the The childhood he did his best to be a happy kid. He was also a star athlete in high school, which is which is kind of stunning when you find that out, that he was the quarterback of the football team and the center fielder of the baseball team. So, so there was a, a, a mythical quality to his childhood. He wasn't planning on becoming a, a professional musician. He wanted to be the center fielder for the New York Yankees. That was his dream. His dream is a 16-year-old, is but as, as he said in my documentary, "A Beautiful Dreamer, he said, I couldn't hit the curve. So he found his way really by accident into the music business. And the Beach Boys' success was so quick when you compare it to the Beatles, who spent five solid years desperately trying to make a living at music, trying to get noticed owning their skills um, the beach for the beach boys it happened in 5 months and-
0: yeah talk to us about that what happened what what's the difference because you know there i don't like to play you know comparison games between groups who do i like better the beatles the rolling stones the beach boys but i like all of them but what what was the difference maker there why did it take why so little time for the beach boys to experience success
1: well they weren't trying to um the, the, there was a, a labor day weekend in 1961 and uh, brian brian and his brother's parents were away and, and they they rented some instruments and younger brother dennis who was a surfer had said to to brian and and their cousin mike love why don't you write a song about surfing for all the kids at school because he knew brian had a little bit of musical talent because brian had played in assemblies at school so they wrote this song surfing terrible song terrible terrible song i mean it's, if i never hear it again it'll be just fine and and um when when the wilson parents came home from the weekend murray wilson the boy's father heard it and said hmm it's not much but i know some people let's play it for them and he got it in front of some people he knew in the music business and it came out months later and it was a it was a minor hit. Uh, and the Beach Boys played a concert on uh, New Year's Eve '61. So from Labor Day to New Year's Eve is what four months?
0: Mm-hmm. Not even.
1: Not you know. So so it was like they won the lottery. That that's what it was like for the Beach Boys. Um, and if you want to play comparison games, the, the Beatles are my favorite group.
0: Are they really? That shocks yeah. me. Does Brian well, I, does Brian know that? <laughs>
1: The Beatles are his favorite group.
0: Okay, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough.
1: Fair enough. Uh, you know, the, the Beatles changed everything. It's hard to understand if you weren't alive in, in those years. Right. But what happened in 1963, the Beach Boys were America's number one vocal group. And then the Beatles came to, to America and everything changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Beatles were like a four-headed monster, four fascinating personalities, four extremely talented musicians who had banded together in this pursuit of they didn't know they were going to be as big as Elvis or bigger, but that's that's what happened. Um, the beach Boys I said didn't they didn't have that ambition. It just happened by accident. Um, if you want to talk about why their group's paths were so different, in 1962, this really elegant, intelligent, sophisticated man named Brian Epstein mm-hmm. became the Beatles manager. Mm-hmm. And in 1962, the, the, the Wilson brothers' father, Murray, became their manager. So essentially, the Beach Boys were this fam, little family business, whereas, whereas Brian Epstein had a world view of, mm-hmm. of, of who the Beatles could be and what they could become. That's
0: so interesting. Um,
1: but, but. Brian Wilson is somebody that the Beatles looked up to. So, for example, when I interviewed Sir George Martin, the Beatles producer, he said to me, we were talking about pet sounds earlier, he said, Sergeant Pepper was our attempt mm. to equal pet sounds.
0: I have heard not that the, story not, before.
1: And and it was like I was like I was stunned when he said that. When 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 I produced a a, a tribute to Brian Wilson at Radio City Music Hall, George Morton said, if I had to select one living genius of popular music, it would be Brian Wilson. Now this is the guy who worked in the studio with Paul McCartney and John Lennon. So Uh so that gives you a sense of how big a deal Brian uh, was and remains to this day, uh, especially to, to, to Paul. And, and I've got a whole section in the book, as you've read, about some of their close encounters, uh-huh. which, which I, I was fortunate enough to witness. And I actually uh, got to interview Paul McCartney about Pet Sounds. Wow, which which was a unique experience. I think for him, it was certainly a big deal for me. But for him, what it meant was he wasn't being asked Beatles questions. Like yeah. in every, inter- every interview, when are you guys going to get back together? Whatever the questions were. This time he was being asked about another artist. And not only another artist who he liked, but another artist who he worshipped. And, right. and it was in that interview, he said to me that God only knows this the greatest song ever written. <laughs> so wow. uh, another reason.
0: Paul, I, Sir Paul McCartney said that. Wow.
1: And and yeah, and so when when I was working on the update, I sent him uh, his people an email asking him to write something for the book, and he wrote a he, he sent back a, a short piece about Brian, and God only knows it opens the book. So it gives you a sense that you know here we are in 2022, and and, and that's how big a deal Brian Wilson is. That, that Paul McCartney would take the time to, to write something just for a book. Yeah. about Broadway. Wow.
0: Well, and I'm thinking, you know, you mentioned being a kid growing up in London. I mean, Paul and, and the rest of the Beatles weren't kids, but I mean, I guess they were young, 20-ish, but um, they're in Liverpool and they're hearing this California sound and that's got to be, I mean, I'm in Kansas and that was so, so different than the world I knew. Imagine being in Liverpool, and that's that's so fascinating. I mean, the, the people that you have seen, the people that you have met, the people that you've spoken to, at least, I mean, not the least of which obviously is Brian Wilson himself, but wow, that is that is fascinating. So I back to Brian for a minute. Other than the short answer of everything, what is music to Brian Wilson? What does music mean to this man?
1: Well, actually, um, I think I write in the book that music and food are equal to him. And there have been periods where food where food exceeded music, mm-hmm. um, but what that's kind of a flip answer. But what what music is to Brian Wilson, is is the place where he finds his his peace for for well over a half century. If you were to walk into his his house, he would be at the piano playing music. Mm-hmm. He would, be, he would be playing what he called fields. So he would be looking for a piece of music that would express a particular emotion that he wanted to express at that time. And, and so, so it's, it's, it's a grand obsession. You know, an awful lot of people are talented at music and wanna make a life in music. But I think for Brian, music is his life. Yeah. And and as I say, he, he wasn't intending to be uh, world famous as Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, and now Brian Wilson is a solo artist since 1988, but he, he, wanted, he wanted to make music that, that people would hear. Now, when he was 20 years old and he sat down at the piano and he wrote his very first song, Surfer Girl, it was all there right from the beginning um and and so he had a way of expressing it in that in that case he wrote the words and the music Mm -hmm. he he just as his his, his younger as his baby brother carl said um you know somebody asked how do you how how does he do what he does And, and carl said you do it by that being all you do you sit at the piano all day long mm-hmm. listen listening to the four freshmen and figuring out how they got those harmonies. Mm-hmm. Listen, listening to Phil Spector and going to the studio and watching how he worked with, with the musicians and you learn he wasn't formally trained um, but he had an instinctive gift um, to put feeling into music and that's what he did, I mean, you know, one of the first songs that touched me was a song called In My Room. Yeah,
0: I love when that song. We,
1: I mean, when we're kids, you know, there's a place that I can go and, and tell my secrets to in my room. It's 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 so simple in, in concept, but it's so beautifully expressed. And in the introduction to the book that Barry Gibb of the Bee Gees wrote, he points out that that's his favorite song, that that's the song that got to him in 1963 when he heard it. So it, it's, you know, right from the beginning, Brian was able to touch people's emotions. And when you can do that with your art, whether it's painting or film or music, or, or in this case, books, um, you know, it's 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 really a joy. Uh, and, and so Brian went down that road and he never turned back. There were times when he was less productive, there were times when the world was less welcoming to what he was doing, but he, he never stopped expressing what he felt and thought in song. There's a song called Cry, that if you can, you know you don't have to guess real hard, what's it about? It's about him crying after a fight with his, 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 his wife. There's a song called This Whole World in which he exalts, and how, how beautiful the world is to it if you look at it in a certain way. There's a song called Till I Die, Mm -hmm. which which is a very zen lyric in which he basically talks about that he's just a cork on the ocean floating over the raging sea so he's in the midst of all this turmoil and these things i'll be until i die but he does it with such beauty and such harmony that it's that it's irresistible
0: i have two thoughts number one if anybody ever writes a biography about me which they won't i'm sure i i would be the one writing a, a biography about them, not the other way around. But if they ever do, I want them to be as passionate about me as you are about Brian Wilson. Seriously, it's just so, <laughs> so remarkable. And number two, um, as you were speaking, I, I just kept thinking, well, they they never really saw it to be this world famous, you know, classic, amazing group. But with talent like his, with studied talent like his, you can't, you can't really help that, you know, because he's just so good at what he does that genius becomes genius. You know, you can't, you can't put genius in a corner. You can't hide that under a bushel. You know what I mean? And um, I want to know. Well, you can't,
1: you uh, can't, he just wasn't, you know, he just didn't have the ambition to be in a group uh-huh. um, that, that was, that wasn't part of where he was going with music. Um, but, you, you know, sometimes the world isn't ready for your music, as Brian, you know, sings in Pet Sounds, uh, the world don't care what I can be. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he he was wondering where, you know, even though he was at the height of his fame and fortune at that time, and the Beach Boys were world famous and being welcomed in England, Brian was wondering you know, what about as I change, as I evolve, as I grow up? He had one of one of my favorite songs of his when I was a kid, When I Grow Up to Be a Man, yeah. what will I be? It asks. And it's like, it's a it's a good question. We're all asking that when we're growing up. And and so he was always looking forward, as he was, he was in the moment with his music, but in his head, it was like, what's next?
0: Yeah. Speaking of fame, how did Brian in particular handle fame? Because he had plenty of ups and downs in his in his fame and in his life. So how did he handle being world famous? Hey, not
1: great. Yeah. <laughs> he he um he didn't he was not a natural performer. Mm-hmm. So very, very early on in the Beach Boys career, he stopped touring. Um, And one of the one of the reasons he stopped touring was he didn't like it. Another another reason was he only has one since he was a child, he only hears out of one ear. So the sound at concerts was 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 really upsetting, Um, maybe more than any other factor. The demand was on him from the record company to, to write and arrange and produce the next album. So the Beach Boys could go on tour and then come back and everybody could hang out. While Brian would get to work writing the next record, mm-hmm. so it was it was just too much. And so when he retired from touring is when he made, you know, his his greatest albums like Pet Sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as you know, if if you were to go on the web, and, and I don't recommend this to anybody, and just you know, Google Brian Wilson and images. You won't see somebody. You see somebody who poses well for for formal pictures. But but when you see candid pictures of him, you see revealed in him this, this kind of mysterious man. And, and again, back to why the book is called God Only Knows. There's something going on behind his eyes, but what is it? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is what is he thinking as he looks out on the audience? He 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 told me once in an interview, there's much more going on in my head than anyone can imagine. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what you know, I try to get at it in the book, Um, but, but it just wasn't natural to him. It it really, it really wasn't. So he, he could, I mean, I'm thinking of when, when he played at the Queen's Jubilee uh, 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. and he's on stage with, with Sir Paul McCartney and a whole, whole bunch of other musical legends. He sort of got lost in the crowd and 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 although the, the the funniest moment of all we had been instructed do not address the queen unless she speaks to you first <laughs>
0: You're tapping in my world right now, David, because my primary work is as a royal family reporter. I'm a, I'm the Royals editor at Marie Claire magazine, which I don't want to like title drop, but um, you're in my world now. So yes, that is royal protocol. You don't, well, she's passed away, but now for King Charles III, that's the same. Yes.
1: So, so as at the end of the concert, when all the stars are gathered and the queen is coming on stage. She walks by Brian and he pushes Ozzy Osbourne out of the way. And he says, hi, he says, hi, queen.
0: <laughs> what did she, what did she do?
1: you know what she, she did? Just, she just kept walking. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a breach of protocol. And maybe that describes both Brian as a person really well, but also his music. It didn't follow the rules. Oh, and I love that. Yeah. And that's, and that's what, stunned the music world there you know early in the in the book uh, i I, ta- I have a long i have a bunch of quotes from his peers and then the generations that followed and what they have to say so sean lennon for example um the son of british royalty of course um, um said brian wilson is my bach and and so so brian's music has become the, the classical music of the 20th century
0: yeah i mean i'm sorry i'm still stuck on high queen <laughs> <laughs> i think that's fantastic and that makes me love brian wilson even more and i didn't think i could after reading god only knows but okay we've danced around this topic a couple times but i can't before, I,
1: before you before you get to that question i can tell you one one other story about go
0: go, go our go. day
1: at buckingham palace yeah during during rehearsal the day before the event just as brian is walking on stage for his sound check, Uh, one of the people points to the top of the palace and goes, is that a fire? (laughs) Now, when we had arrived backstage, it was the year after Mm 9-11, and we had been, there was very strict security, and one of the things we were told was, don't go off the path, there are trained snipers in the trees. Oh, wow. Okay, I I can take direction, well, we'll stay on the path. Anyway, when this fire is spotted, it was like okay, everybody needs to evacuate this area and get as far away from the palace as possible just in case this is a terrorist attack. And so the rule of don't don't go off the path was suspended and about 200 of us went flying to the far end of the palace where the, where the royal tennis court was, which was pretty cool to 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 you know to to see to be backstage at Buckingham Palace. No
0: kidding, yeah.
1: And and anyway, fortunately, it was it was just a a, a short in the, in the the wiring, so they, they cleared it up, and, and the event was was able to go on. And, and reportedly, at the end of the show, after after uh, Queen Elizabeth uh, walked past Brian and heard High Queen, she came out to the center stage for for the there were about twenty thousand people in the backyard seated, and then. Hundreds of thousands more watching on screens outside the palace gates and on national television. And uh, reportedly, Sir Paul McCartney whispered, should we do this again next year? And <laughs> and and the queen said, not in my backyard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she, look, I, this is not a royal family podcast. I, ha- I actually have a podcast about the royal family. This is not that. But she was so witty. She was brilliantly quick-witted that is great. I, I could literally listen to you tell stories all day long and 400 and some pages of the book just isn't enough, but okay. So we keep dancing around pet sounds and this is not a, a strictly music podcast. So there could be someone listening. I don't know how this is possible, but there could be somebody listening to this episode who knows me surely who the beach boys are. They have tons of hits, but, but, maybe for whatever reason, have never heard of pet sounds or, or maybe we have heard of it, but have never actually listened to it. So for someone that maybe isn't super into music, that's listening, it doesn't get the impact that that record had on music, not just in the sixties, it came out in 1966, I believe. Um, but on music to up to present day, can you explain the impact of that album?
1: Well, um, as, as this is a, a podcast about books, let's let's think it think of it as Brian's um, autobiography. Mm. And well, because Brian and because Brian Wilson, um, he, he's expressive, but he knew he needed help saying the things that was in his head. He engaged a, a collaborator by the name of Tony Asher to help him with with, with the songwriting for for Pet Sounds. So they could express exactly what Brian wanted to do. And so Pet Sounds is a mu- is a story of kind of a musical love affair, as it begins with Wouldn't It Be Nice, which is a very popular Beach Boys record. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it goes through all the emotions of a relationship uh, till it ends with a song called Caroline No, which is about about Brian's broken heart. So it is—it is his autobiography up to that moment, expressed in composition, arrangement, in vocal and in harmony, in in ways that uh, you know the, the greatest author can't do. Where we we can we can put words on on a page, but but by by putting that story to music, Brian made it—you uh, know—maybe his generation's catcher in the rye.
0: I was going to say, give me a book that people can tie it back to. But yes, that's, that's well, that's well said. I agree with that. That's a great comparison. Um, And
1: and so, so the the good news is one can listen to it at any stage of of, of your life.
0: So true. Yes. And, and,
1: and it still is resonant and relevant. It's, you know, honestly, the first time I heard pet sounds, I didn't get it.
0: Mm hmm.
1: It was like this this it was too complex for me um uh, but the second time and the third time and the thousandth time um it's just music to revel in it's it it is like going to, to symphony hall and and hearing a a string of mozart melodies play out or bach melodies with stories that 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 speak speak to the teenage heart and if we're lucky, we, we always have a teenage heart.
0: Hopefully a little bit remains in all of us, right? Yes, um, it's exactly. interesting because I, I can't remember the first time I listened to the record the whole way through. I maybe late teens, early twenties, and I get something different from it each time. Cause I don't do this very often. I don't do this every month or even every year. I've only maybe done it a ha- five times maybe. And I, last night listening to it again, I'm obviously at such a different stage in my life from being a teenager. I just turned 36 a couple of days ago. And um, it's it's just, that's that's the beauty of, of good writing and good music is when you can return to it again and not only get something from it again, but also get something different from it again based off of where you are in your life.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I just read this past summer. I read To Kill a Mockingbird.
0: Yes, and it was that book's like, the same way for me. Yes.
1: It's like, oh, I get it now. I mean, because you know, yeah. you're, assigned, you're assigned books in junior high school and high school, and, and you don't really understand the world.
0: Totally, totally. That is that is a, another great comparison because when I was assigned to read that book as a freshman in honors English, it was a chore. And then I've read it again recently, and it's especially because I live in Alabama. I don't even know if you knew that, and so it's now it's so multi. I mean, it's just yes. I mean, it's 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 a totally different experience. And I don't know if you're going to like me for this question. So I hope you love me after I ask this, but this, this is almost <laughs> an impossible question. And I, had, I have a guest coming on the show who wrote a book about Stevie Nicks, who I also love. And I asked him the same question and he handled it pretty well. So no pressure slash pressure on you. <laughs> what would you say are the Mount Rushmore of Brian Wilson penned songs? Meaning if you're going to put four songs up there, like there are four presidents on Mount Rushmore, or we can even do albums if songs is too hard to narrow down. But what's the Brian Wilson, according to you, Mount Rushmore of, of songs?
1: Wow. Uh, only four, huh? Um,
0: or, or I gave you the album caveat. You can do well, okay, so, so. But I think songs are more fun. But if you do, you do what you feel most comfortable with.
1: I'm going to do both. Oh, okay. Um, I love that. So Pet Sounds. Okay. Brian Wilson presents Smile. Yes. um, Brian Wilson's first solo album in 1988.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: last year he put out a record called At My Piano, where he played what he felt were his Mount Rushmore songs, which included In My Room and the Warmth of the Sun and, and Surf's Up and Don't Worry Baby, all, all songs that, I, that you know, are definitely crowding each other out on Mount Rushmore. Like they can almost see if, if if there were hands on Mount Rushmore, be, the song would be flicking one of them off and going, no, no, there's no room for you up here. We've got to put good <laughs> vibrations up here. And it's like, wait a second, if the good vibrations, where's California Girls going to go? So, so it, it's, uh, it, that's why we'll, we'll go with those albums. And, but there's, there's, you know, there's, an endless collection of of songs, but mm-hmm. the at my the at my piano album that Brian did last year sounded to me. Uh, I, I like his his selection of songs. The one the one that the two that changed my life the most that made me do this book. When I first heard about Brian Wilson, uh, when I was in college, it was from an album called Surfs Up. And Surf's Up was the centerpiece of of the Smile album, the the unreleased Smile album at that point, the album that inspired me to move to California and write the book. So Surf's Up was the last song uh, on the album. Is Penultimate the one just before that? Um, uh, The song just before Surf's Up was called Till I Die. Mm -hmm. And when I heard that, it... It struck me like, oh my God, all of his talent is intact. So I've got to get out there and help him. That's that's the craziness that went through my head. So we'll we'll go with, uh, you know, th- that combo on, on of, of till I die and, and and surfs up, and then then you know pet sounds and, and smiling at my piano. Though you'll find everything you need to hear there. Mm-hmm. And and if those, if that music doesn't touch your soul then then you know god maybe help you, you. there's well you. At, no I, you know the, 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 you know there's there's a big divide there's the beach boys and there's brian wilson mm. and so so the question is can you get past you know the stereotype of what the beach boys are and what they represent which is why i picked Pet Sounds, Brian Wilson presents Smiling at My Piano, because those are you know essentially Brian Wilson solo albums, mm-hmm. and 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 they they have the have as many key songs as is possible. How do you not include God only knows? Plug 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 for the book, um, you know it's, it's, it's you know so so. I hope I I did as well as your Stephen No, Nicks you,
0: you I mean I'm just sitting here thinking I asked you this question and I didn't even write the book on Brian Wilson and I don't even know if I could do it. Like, I don't know, like, I don't, like, I'm, I mean, I'm a fan, but I'm not a super fan like you are. And I just, I, I just kind of hate myself for asking you that question, but you handled it with poise, grace, and dignity more. I, I don't even, I truly don't think I'm just sitting over here thinking, well, I'd have to substitute this for that. And I don't think I can do that. So um, well done. Well done. Thank you. So we know Brian Wilson as a musician. But who is he as a man? Because you've sat across the table from him. You've met him copious amounts of time. So who is he? You know, take take the music out of Brian Wilson, which I know is impossible to do. But let's just, you know, we've talked about that. But who is he as a person?
1: Well, it's actually not impossible to do because the, the reason I'm a friend of Brian's and, and and there are a few others, Ray and Jerry and, and Jason, is because when we're with Brian, we don't look up to him we we look to, into his eyes as friends. So as a person, nothing, there's nothing he likes to do more than laugh and eat.
0: <laughs> he sounds like I, he he could be my friend. I love those that, two things too.
1: Absolutely. I, I remember many years ago, he, he went into one of those souvenir stores on Hollywood Boulevard and he brought me two trophies one day. One was world's greatest comedian. One was world's greatest writer, you know, those silly trophies you Mm -hmm. can buy, but, but I've kept them to this day because they came from him. I made him laugh. I mean, maybe my favorite picture in the book is he and I are walking into NBC studios. He's going to be a guest on the Jay Leno show back in, I think, 2004. And he just has the most genuine laugh and smile happening at that moment that that Mark London snapped the picture and it, it's it's and that to me is who Brian Wilson is. That's why he named the album Smile, mm-hmm. because he said when you smile, when you laugh, everything disappears. All your pain and, and anguish, all that goes away. Laughter, he said, to use the cliche, is the best medicine. So he he loves to laugh. He he also loves baseball. He loves Jeopardy. Um, he you know he loves cars. I mean, we were talking when he was on tour, he, he, I called him, I think maybe around his birthday. And he's like, what are you driving these days? Which is a question you would have asked back in high school. What are you right. driving these days? Right, right. Um, the, you know, the, it, he's, he is the sweetest, kindest, most innocent person, despite everything he's been through. He's, he is able to shrug it all off and be himself and be in the moment. And, 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 it's, and it's really he I mean unique is such a, a silly word every we're all unique. But, but that you know that aspect of him, I think is one of the reasons that the music has a purity to it that there, there, he does not have a cynical bone in his body. I remember when he was working on on a on a, an album called that Lucky Old Son. and and I and I said to Brian, you know, given his his upbringing, I said, wouldn't it be ironic to spell son instead of S U N, spell it S O N? He just oh. looked at me and said no. So there's nothing ironic about him. There, there's it's just there's a sweetness to everything about him as a person and everything about everything in the music.
0: Wow. We could talk all day. This is already going to be a record breaking long episode, which I'm totally okay with. But my last question for you is, you know, a hundred years from now, when we're all gone, Brian's gone, you're gone, I'm gone. And all that remains is the music. What do you think Brian's ultimate legacy will be?
1: his his ultimate legacy will be is 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 somebody who changed popular music had an enormous influence on popular music but more important than that that he wrote hymns that people will sing um as long as there's western civilization the 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 music he made is is kind of like a secular church and and the melodies are, are you know, people talk about timeless melodies. He wrote, he wrote an awful lot of melodies. From a, from a musician's point of view, w- what he did that was surprising were his chord changes. I mean, you can read, you know, what Elton John has to say in my book about that. But it's 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 just from from our point of view as listeners, it it will be, you know, music that that will make people feel good forever
0: what better legacy could you have? And listeners, as great as this conversation was, and this was a great conversation, the book is even better. The updated God Only Knows, the story of Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys, and the California myth is out now. David, my goodness, thank you for being here today. What a fun chat.
1: My pleasure, Rachel. Thank you for having me. It was great.
0: David, thank you for being so generous with your time and your talents. The revised version is out now, listeners, and every music lover deserves to escape into this book. So we're going to continue this theme of iconic musicians into next week when I have a great chat about none other than Stevie Nicks. We'll be back soon.